You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, Final podcast before free agency starts Sunday, 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern, 6.01 to be exact, 5.01 here in New Orleans. And we are excited. So we've got a lot to talk about and we are going to be diving in two segments worth of uh, free agency talk here in today's show. Also going to be talking about the Anthony Davis trade. I think this thing is finalized. We know the third team and what it means for New Orleans. So let's dive into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's start with the Anthony Davis trade. We now know it is going to be a three-team deal between the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the, the Washington Wizards. The Lakers have been able to now generate max cap space by sending a couple of contracts that they didn't want on their team over to the Washington Wizards. It's going to be Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, and Jamario Jones to the Wizards to make this Anthony Davis trade work. Also, Anthony Davis is waiving his $4 million trade kicker. This is big. So this gives the, Pel- or the uh, Lakers, there we go, $32 million in cap space basically enough for a max guy like Kemba Walker or some of the other names that are going to be out there. This is just how it was going to go. It seems like the Lakers and the Pelicans maybe agreed upon that if LA could get a third team into the deal, they'd be able to go and do this, though the reporting has made it sound different. I don't know. And maybe this has just been the Lakers scrambling for the past two, three weeks to get this done. But it's the Wizards who are going to be taking on those contracts, likely into a trade exception that they have. So they're not sending out any salary in this um, to the Lakers. Instead, the Lakers are also including, I believe, a second round pick to the Wizards in this. But all three teams in a deal need to touch somehow. You can't just have the Lakers and Wizards exchanging pieces to make it work in this three-team trade, which is how it has to be. So what's going on here to make this really work is now the Washington Wizards are sending $1.1 million in cash to New Orleans. And you're allowed to send up to, I think it's $5.6 million out in cash per year. And now the Wizards are using 1.1 of that. You're also allowed to receive 5.6 in cash. And if you get cash in, it doesn't mean you can then send more out. You're just capped at the total amount you're allowed to send out. And you can only receive that amount as well. Pelicans getting some free money in this by doing the Lakers kind of a favor and letting a third team get involved in this. The immediate question is, why would the Pelicans help the Lakers you know, get room for a max player. I think it's probably because one, 1.1 million in cash isn't bad. And if AD waves his trade kicker, which it sounds like he's doing, that's $5.1 million basically back for New Orleans is the crux of it. The net 
uh, of everything. So if you can get that money, why not? You also do need to have relationships throughout the league and pissing off one team, even if it is the Lakers and people you don't particularly care for and whose assets you do own, doesn't necessarily make that worth it. Doesn't make it something that you necessarily want to do. So it makes sense that why not just kind of do this as is. And frankly, the picks and things like that for Los Angeles being included in the trade for Anthony Davis are much further out. So frankly, I don't know if it's really going to be a big factor or if New Orleans was all that concerned about it. Maybe they just really don't believe Rob Palinka can really get other deals done. Though now the Lakers with three stars plus Kyle Kuzma are going to have to fill out the rest of their roster. They have some second round picks. Um, They're going to go the undrafted route, I'm sure, too, and then get a bunch of minimum contract guys. They'll also have the room exception and be able to kind of put a team together. We'll see if it's competitive or not, though likely they've got a pretty good base. So, you know, you help them in the short term, no big deal. I don't think it's really going to influence the picks that they're sending over to New Orleans. And more cash, not too bad. $5.1 million, basically the net savings here for New Orleans. That pays for the... uh, training room renovation. So overall, fine. We know how this was going to go. It'll get done on July 6th. Then we can see if some of the rookies that they drafted who they haven't introduced yet will be able to play in summer league after that. And that's kind of how this deal is going to get done. So it's going to be a three-team trade with the Lakers, the Wizards, and the Pelicans, and then likely a separate trade with the um, Atlanta Hawks that sends out Solomon Hill and the fourth pick in exchange for 8-17, the future uh, Cavs pick, and whatever the other second-rounders and all that stuff that were involved in that deal. Overall, we kind of now know the details of it all. So good for New Orleans. This is kind of now done. It looks like, according to Twitter, they're already kind of papering over Anthony Davis at the Smoothie King Center. Smoothie King Center has also got a nice new red roof, and that red color is really coming to the forefront. So we can move on. We can really start to focus on the future now that it seems like the Anthony Davis trade and the specific details of it are resolved. So before we really dive into the free agency talk, I'm going to remind you, subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast. We're here Monday through Friday, plus emergency podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. It is an exciting time to be a Pelicans fan. Keep up to date with the team. Subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And please leave a five-star review as well. It helps keep this free and five days a week for y'all. And it's going to be a fun season. We, you want to get these podcasts as soon as they come out. So again, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans. Quickly, before we get into the free agency talk, something I found kind of funny. So after Zion Williams said said his Let's Dance New Orleans line at the NBA draft, the next day, after being introduced by the team, he moved to trademark the phrase, which makes a lot of sense. He said he wants to kind of make this a thing, get it everywhere, and it fits. This is something you can kind of build your brand around, except the Pelicans applied for a trademark for the phrase let's dance about five hours before he did and according to patent law whoever kind of does it first if it's issued gets it first meaning the pelicans would have first dibs at the let's dance trademark over zion williamson 
that's not a great way to start your relationship off. Probably you have to figure both these two team or parties, the Pelicans and Zion, will work this out pretty easily. Just kind of funny to see that they both had the same idea. It makes a lot of sense too. You're seeing it pop up on shirts and other things, and well, those might not be <laughs> going for too long, depending on how this plays out. So we will see. But kind of a funny story, and I'm sure both parties are going to get this resolved sooner rather than later. So let's dive into free agency. We've looked at a lot of names the past week, talked about a lot about different situations, whether it's salary dumps or whether it's spending the money on big name guys or kind of mid to bottom tier guys. What should the Pelicans do? And there's pros and cons for all of this. One thing to keep in mind, they did just offload Solomon Hill. So you've got to wonder if they're going to be comfortable taking on salary dumps this season. But really, when you look at it, Losing Solomon Hill and gaining stuff in return is better than just letting Solomon Hill expire off your books and not gaining anything. So if you can bring in someone and get an asset for it, it's certainly better than just keeping Solomon Hill. I don't know if they're kind of an equivalent situation to look at. But the way David Griffin's kind of approached this, talking about culture-bearing veterans and all of that, makes you think they're not looking just to add on kind of trash, not trash players, but guys that are kind of being cast away by their other teams, unless there's someone in particular he really likes. They're likely going to spend some of this money, maybe not all of it. And when you look at future years, there's definitely kind of a way you can go about this. So we're looking at kind of a high-level overview of what the strategy might be. And that's Zion Williamson's going to be up for an extension basically in three years, four years, depending on when they offer it to him and if meeting the criteria for certain things. So he you've got to kind of plan ahead for this. If you make moves now, you can let those guys expire before his extension kicks in, kind of maximizing the way you can go about this. If they expire the year before his big extension kicks in, well, then you have cap space that final year. So year three of Zion Williamson really is when you're looking at making some big moves. So that's a two or a three-year deal, no four-year deals, because that's going to hurt you when Zion's up for renewal. So I think that's really going to play a factor into things. Unless the Pelicans are just completely enthralled with someone and really want that guy on the team, I don't expect to see four-year deals. But I think they're going to be aggressive. I think they'll be trying to meet with people at 501, 601, what have you, and really getting aggressive early on because... Yeah, there might be a lot of value to be had later, but if you're really building a team and you know the type of players you want, go and get those guys. And those guys are going to be stretch bigs. They're going to be shooters. And those tend to go quickly on the open market in free agency, particularly with a lot of the money that's out there right now. So that's one of the things I think you're going to be looking at. A guy that fits the bill that's been thrown out there a little bit is Seth Curry. Uh, younger brother of Steph Curry and or maybe older I can't remember now Um, might be older actually and a guy who's a pretty good shooter was on Pelicans in summer league one year and they didn't end up bringing him on to the team before his career has shot 43.9 percent 44 percent from deep it's pretty good he'd come cheap he can shoot off the dribble too so it's not just being a spot-up shooter but in the pick-and-roll situation you go under him to try and take Zion Williamson away he can absolutely burn you and I think that's an important thing to consider for his career he's averaged 9.3 points per game last season with Portland 7.9 did it shooting where are his numbers 45% from deep on 3.4 attempts per game in his career he's never really shot under um, 40% under four. He's a very good shooter is maybe the best way to put it. It's a guy that's a cheap option that could make sense. That's going to get paid compared to what he made last year. 
and the Pelicans have money to maybe overpay him. He made $2.795 million last season, certainly in line for maybe six to seven, and I don't think it's the worst thing. His age makes you a little bit concerned, but as a role player, sure. A guy who's 28 will be 29 when the season starts. No big deal. I think it makes a lot of sense because he won't command that long of a contract, meaning he should have an option open for him. Another guy in the backcourt that people aren't really talking about could make some sense might be Terrence Ross, who just had his best season as a pro playing for the Orlando Magic. We don't know what Orlando's going to do. They're in a weird spot with a guy like Nikola Vucevic, who we'll talk about in the second part of this here in the next segment. But they could maybe let some of these guys go and try and retool and go with a youth movement, despite making the playoffs last year. But they're just kind of maxed out on what they're going to end up doing. Terrence Ross averaged 15.1 points per game last year, shot 38.3% from deep. He's a career 37.4% three-point shooter. He's a bit of a gunner, but he's also a good bench player. 81 games last year, no starts. So you know he's going to be comfortable coming off the bench. He's a guy that maybe doesn't start for you, but you can use to close games. He can create his own offense. Gives you enough rebounding at the guard position, 3.5 per game last year, along with 1.7 assists. He's not you know, the worst on defense, not the best, but it makes a lot of sense that he could go out there and really play for you and be that kind of go-to score if that's what you're looking for. Just some more guard depth, a guy that can handle the ball. Instant offense is now Never a bad thing. And getting another guy who can create his own shot certainly would be a good thing. So he's a guy who is making, what was his numbers? I want to say it's like $10.5 million last season. Yep, $10.5 exactly. But could easily come in for a little bit less than that or maybe around that for two or three years. And you're going to feel comfortable paying him that kind of money. He's also, in general, seems like a good guy to be around. So kind of fits that as well. If you want an off-the-wall thing, and we'll talk about him here, what about Derek Favors and the Utah Jazz? He's owed $19.6 million, I think, next season, but it's unguaranteed. I don't know the exact guarantee amount maybe on this. Sorry, 16.9. And might be waived by the Utah Jazz or might be a trade target. It's basically, do they want to let him go or not? And they need to make a decision on him somewhat soon because... His $16.9 million does guarantee on July 6th. This is a guy who is tremendous defensively. He's an excellent rebounder. And though he doesn't bring that stretch shooting that you'd like to see from a big, he's an instant starter at the center position for New Orleans, adding just another defensive presence down low that can really protect the rim and let Zion do other things. And again, ease his transition to the NBA just a little bit more. He could probably be had for a couple second round picks if Utah just is planning on waiving him. Well, then let that option kind of go through. It guarantees and then just trade him to New Orleans. No big deal there. You get something in return when they were just going to cut him in the first place. And with New Orleans having a number of second round picks in the future, well, it makes a lot of sense that you could go out and get Derek Favors. Last season, he put up in 23 minutes of action and he's not played above 30 for the past three seasons. 11.8 points per game, 7.4 rebounds. He's entering his 10th season in the NBA, so I don't know if he's necessarily playing 36 minutes per game. But if you look at his per 36-minute numbers, they were good last year. 18.3 points, 11.4 rebounds, along with 2.2 blocks. He did the shooting 58.6% from the field. Not a good three-point shooter, 21%. 
overall for his career. So he doesn't provide that. And that's a bit of a concern. But again, it's one year of him. You're trading away second round picks that you probably don't even want to use. Even if you let him expire after that one year, it's not too bad. And I think it's okay. It's not like he's clogging up your cap long term. So bringing in a center who doesn't shoot or a big who doesn't shoot, I think makes sense for a one-year deal, let's say. And Derek Favors would make a lot of sense. Also, big locker room guy, culture guy. And if you want Zion to learn toughness, well, Derek Favors is definitely someone who can do that. So final part of our free agency preview coming up. I've got some more names for you to keep an eye on. Some you might have thought about already. Some are new names added to the list because of some things that might have happened yesterday. So before we get to that, of course, please, again, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you for tuning in here Monday through Friday for you all. We'll probably slow it down a little bit during the offseason, maybe after summer league, um, before ramping back up, before the season starts. But here covering this team on a daily basis, letting you know everything you need to keep up to date with the New Orleans Pelicans. And if you've been a long time listener, I appreciate you sticking through some bad times here with the team, but we're having a lot of fun now and I'm thrilled that you've stuck it out and are now kind of seeing the brighter days ahead for this Pelicans franchise. So again, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from and leave a five-star review. Free agency starts Sunday, 5.01 Central. And if, by the way, you want to follow along with everything, it's going to be pretty fun because the ESPN show, The Jump, is going to be live during that time. I think basically going to like 10 p.m. So they are live for five hours. I'll be on Twitter waiting to see all of what happens and watching that. I was going to do a live stream, but The Jump is better and you should watch that instead. And we'll be reacting there with you guys and have podcasts right away should the Pelicans sign anybody. We'll find out whether they do or not. But some other names that they really might be looking at, and there's two that have kind of jumped to the forefront of things today. It was reported that the Pelicans might have some interest in Kevon Looney of the Golden State Warriors. This makes a little bit of sense given that he's a young guy who has a lot of room to improve, comes from the Warriors, played in their system, and played, you know what, reasonably well there during his time. So I could see them maybe being interested given the price that he may command being very cheap. But if it's expensive, I don't know if he makes an absolute ton of sense. He's not a big that spaces the court, doesn't shoot threes whatsoever, but he can give you some rebounding, he can give you points, and he can definitely give you that defense and that toughness that you need. And again, he's pretty young, all things considered, just 23 years old. His per 36 minute numbers last season, 12.2 points per game, uh, 10.1 rebounds, but 5.1 fouls. So kind of a similar situation to check Diallo. And if you're looking for a guy like this, just bring Diallo back, who's been in your system, who you know a little bit. Though I think Kevon Looney's a better low post scorer and definitely has a better offensive arsenal and repertoire than check Diallo does. So a name that's out there, again, I don't know. You know, if you can get him close to the minimum, sure, why not? A little bit more than that, maybe. But if you get into a four-year deal with, you know, five million, I'm not totally sure about that. And it's not a name that makes an absolute ton of sense for me. Another name that kind of got thrown out there and people asked me about on Twitter, and that's going on with the Charlotte Hornets, who, by the way, look to be a disaster. They did not trade Kemba Walker at the trade deadline, 
And now it sounds like they were going to lowball him in free agency when he's looking to get a max deal and like significantly lowball him, which is kind of surprising because if you were basically going to give him an insulting offer that's sending him away and it sounds like he's going to go to the Boston Celtics, why didn't you trade him at the trade deadline and get assets back for him? This is the signs of a poorly run team right here. And that's because they thought they could just get a hometown discount on him. And no, it doesn't work like that. Kind of reminds me of the Pelicans a couple of years ago with Ryan Anderson. They had a first round pick on the table from the Toronto Raptors. And they said no, thinking Rhino would resign for cheap here. He didn't. He went to Houston. They got nothing for him. Just not smart, and I don't know why people always think they can just retain their guys because they played there for less money than what their actual value is. Anyway, besides the point, they did not tender a qualifying offer to Frank the Tank Comiskey here, uh, a big that maybe has some interest to New Orleans, though I don't know how much. I think part of the reason they didn't tender him that offer is because they have a crowded front court given the NBA draft. And frankly, it wasn't that good, and they owe a lot of money to a lot of guys. Their cap sheet is just rough when you really look at it. Kaminsky last year, 8.6 points per game, 3.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists. He did shoot pretty well, and he's a pretty good three-point shooter overall. 36% from the field, or not from the field, from deep last year. 38% from deep the year before that. He's a career 34.9% three-point shooter. Those 8.6 points per game came on 6.3 shot attempts, so somewhat efficient there overall like yeah you you could kick the tires on him towards the end of free agency because I don't think he's going to have a very robust market out there he's also young you know he's 26 there's still room to grow um but you know it's not like he's 21 22 I think you kind of see the type of player he is defense is not there rebounding's not really there so he's more just a big that can shoot and he's kind of one-dimensional in that sense so if you get him for the minimum when you've kind of missed out on other guys or you think you're going to have a roster spot open sure sign Frank the Tank here, but overall, I don't know if he's a guy that makes a ton of sense to New Orleans. Someone was like, yeah, I'm kind of talking myself into him on Twitter. Don't do that. You're just going to be disappointed, I promise. There's a reason he's not going back to Charlotte, who needs some good players, and if he was that good, again, he's a restricted free agent. They could have. They didn't. You know, they could have even just offered him the qualifying offer, so that if someone gives him a contract, they could match it. They didn't even want to do that which probably tells you kind of all you need to know about his play. Another name that's out there that isn't getting talked about a ton of overall in free agency does come from the Orlando Magic, and I said we were going to look at him. That's Nikola Vucevic. Center, seven foot, would make a lot of sense for New Orleans, too. If you think Jimmy Butler's a good fit, uh, Vucevic is probably just as good of a fit. Last year for Orlando, where he was an all-star, by the way, first time making an all-star team. Tobias Harris, never been an all-star. Take that for what you will. 20.8 points per game, 12 rebounds, shot 36.4% from deep. 20.8 points per game came on 16.9 shot attempts. His usage rate, a little bit higher than some of the other players we've talked about, I think think, you know, when you really look at it, you've got to kind of factor that into things. His usage rate, 28% last season. Tobias Harris was in 22 point something. There's a big difference between those two numbers. I think you need to kind of keep that in mind. But Vucevic plays the center spot, not a power forward spot, which maybe that positional need makes a lot of sense. You're likely going to need to get him on a four-year deal. I don't think he's going to go full on max, but you know what? He's getting $20 million plus probably. Made $12.75 last year, but there's a lot to like. It kind of depends on if he wants four years. I don't know about that given what we talked about 
the start of last segment, four-year contracts just kind of don't line up with when that Zion Williamson extension is going to kick in. And you want to have the flexibility the year before you know you're going to offer him that and the year before it'll kick in so that you can make the use of the last time that you will probably have cap space. So getting three-year deals, having them expire right before the extension kicks in, a very important thing to consider. But if you can overpay him for three years, just like a guy like Al Horford, who we haven't really talked about because Mark Stein kind of put cold water that maybe that was a mystery suitor for Al Horford. I think Vucevic makes a lot of sense. The rebounding's there. He can play the center position. He's not horrible defensively either. I think there's a lot to like, and he makes a ton of sense here, particularly with the shooting ability compared to some of the other true centers that we've looked at a guy like Clint Capella and some of the other ones. So some of the names are still kind of floating out there in free agency. It's going to be a lot of fun. Another name that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that I do also want to take a look at right now, that if the Pelicans want to make a run at a restricted free agent, you've got a good chance to pry him away. And that's Malcolm Brogdon from the Milwaukee Bucks. He's in line for a pretty big deal as a restricted free agent. And there is a whole lot to like from him. Former second round pick, uh, I believe. Yep, second round pick. Played pretty well for Milwaukee. An absolutely unbelievable shooter since day one in the NBA. 15.6 points per game last year. Did that on 11.7 shot attempts. That's awesome efficiency. 42.6% from deep. He's a career 40.8% shooter. He also will grab you 4.5 rebounds per game, 3.2 assists, along with 0.7 steals from his numbers last year. Really good. Also shot 92.8% from the line. That is awesome. Basically just an outstanding shooter with pretty good size at the two-guard point guard and fits with the other guards that New Orleans has. He's 6'5 here. He can handle the ball. He can also work off ball, and he can guard multiple positions. That's big. He's going to need basically that restricted free agent max. So what, 28, something like that, is what it would cost. Basically the majority of the Pelicans cap space. It's likely going to take a four-year deal too to kind of pry him away from the Milwaukee Bucks. But it makes a lot of sense to go after him. Um, He is good. He just fits everything you want. He seems like just a good guy, too. Came from a winning organization. I would love to see Malcolm Brogdon here in New Orleans, but maybe a big or a wing is a little bit more pressing. But if you get him, just get talent in and figure out the fit later. So it was a lot of free agent talk here on the podcast and a lot more to come as we hit it on Sunday. Yes, the start of the silly season. It is going to be exciting to see all the deals go down. They're going to start happening minutes, maybe one minute after 5.01 Central here. I'll be covering it on Monday's podcast. If we need to do an emergency podcast, maybe get something out on Sunday, we'll do that as well. So it is going to be a lot of fun. I know I can't wait. I'm sure you can't wait. Again, we're going to be covering everything you want to know about it here on Locked on Pelicans. So thank you all for listening. Again, please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Leave a five-star review. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Monday. 